Joining me is Eric Slater. My name is Chris Carroll, and this is Comic Zombie. I freeze. I'm Batman. I am the law of the juggernaut, bitch! Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate a bill. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Comic Zombie. I'm your host, Chris. With me, as always, is my co-host, Eric, and we are joined by a special guest today, which we will get to in just a moment. Our last episode, we spoke about kind of um, a prediction, I guess, our predictions for what we kind of expected to see from Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, all three of us have seen it, like pretty much everybody else in the world, it seems like, if the box <laughs> office is to be believed. And so this just want to give everybody a heads up right off the bat here. This is going to be filled with spoilers. So if you have not yet seen Spider-Man No Way Home, you should maybe go listen to another episode like the last one or go back to episode 10 where we talked about uh, uh, we ranked the previously released live action Spider-Man films, you know, the Sam Raimi films, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about our reactions to No Way Home, what we loved about it, what we didn't love about it. Spoilers, nothing. You know, just how how much of an amazing film it was. Before we get to our thoughts on Spider-Man No Way Home, I want to introduce our guest today. So today we're actually joined by our good friend, uh, longtime fellow nerd, Jimmy Lester. How you doing, Jimmy? I'm good. Thanks, Eric. From what I understand, you've been catching up on a lot of the uh, Marvel events from the past, I want to say, 10 years, like all the Bendis stuff. You've been doing a read-through, right? Yes. So... um... I mean, I've been through, I went, I've gone deeper back, uh, further back now, I've gone through some of the stuff like um, Age of Ultron and, and uh, Dark Reign and, and some of the older, older stories now. But what really got me was Jonathan Hickman yeah. and um, Bendis as well. Bendis really laid a lot of foundation and, uh, and is responsible for a lot of very important moments. But I feel like there's a depth that Hickman has provided in connecting some of those older stories and making them make yeah. sense. Yeah. And um, that, that, that's what really drew me in. So at the moment, let's see, I just got done with um, Secret Empire. So that was a lot of fun. I know that's a controversial one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I love, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting excited living through those moments. Um, related to Spider-Man, I think one of the more controversial storylines I just got through was the introduction of Miles Morales. And I got to um, watch Into the Spider-Verse with my daughter. And so we yeah. were both really into that. Yeah, no, Into the Spider-Verse is great. I really think it's like one of the best honestly it might be my favorite spider-man movie this one gives it competition we'll we'll talk about that in a second but i'm excited have you seen the trailer for the next one across the spider-verse no i have not oh that's right you don't do trailers do you uh, not always uh, uh, sometimes so I, I i'm probably gonna check it out i just haven't had time to with all the, the other spider-man uh understandable i mean there's been a lot of content lately just with marvel in general i, I, I get thoughts on yeah no i have i have a <laughs> thoughts that you said that you think this gives spider-verse competition where i think it pushes spider-verse down into the dirt and really? stomps on it oh, man. um spider-verse is a great movie but is. this is a in my opinion uh-huh. better funnier more action-oriented, actual supervillain stakes tied to the MCU and the history of everything. I mean, this is... this is. I, I will give credit where credit's due. This couldn't exist without Spider-Verse and the success mm. Spider-Verse had. I mean, there's no way that people would buy into the multiverse stuff without having seen it in some other form as much as they have. I, I love me some Spider-Verse. It's a great movie. But it's like they, this movie took everything I loved about it and then added that much more. One thing I will say, having recently just watched Into the Spider-Verse, is that I feel like they handled the multiverse part a little sloppy. 
because you know it's, it, the the arc with Kingpin and again spoilers. If you haven't seen that, we didn't warn about that. But if you haven't seen it in the Spider Verse, it's been uh, a few years. Here it goes. Think, yeah. uh, but uh, <laughs> anyways, um, the the arc with Kingpin and and why he wanted to do it was really cool. But the fact that they just dip Spider Man's head in it now it's like yanking other ver- variants of him through. That I. There was there was there was something missing to it. Whereas with the way that they've handled it in the MCU, and as always, they they do it well, yeah. is to do it through magic, and so then it makes you don't have to have it connect with some kind of Re- sensical, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just about the same. So that. so th- so that's my my one da- the one downfall to into the Spider Verse is that I feel like that that's not explained well at all, yeah. and so totally. Well, I guess we're about to dive into it, but I know some people have like stated that they were a little disappointed they didn't see Miles in this movie, and I feel like there's a good reason for that. I feel like they're building to that. This is laying the groundwork. We got to revisit the past before we move forward, and so uh, I'm excited to see where they go next with this as we'll get into. And I mean, there's zero chance we won't see Miles prob- oh, yeah, probably happy. within the next they named seven or eight years. In the first one, yeah, they actually they and they kind of like alluded to him in this one when he's his uh, uncle Aaron. Spider-Man's talking to Electro, and Electro. I was like, man, the way like you always protecting poor people and black folks and getting shot at by cops and stuff. Like, I figured you was black, and he's like, a black Spider Man, that'd be crazy, you know. Totally, we'll see Miles. But this movie did not. That's it's not. This is not a springboard for other characters kind of movie. This movie is about closure on a chapter in this character's existence in the MCU. And it's about just a love letter to the fans. Mm. Now, I get like it would have been nice even in a post credit scene, seeing like a teaser for Miles. Fine. But I think they have we have a lot of stuff to see still with Spider-Man in the MCU. And there's they'll get to that. But like, really, do you want Miles to be around when Peter's like 18 years old? Like to me, the benefit of that relationship is that Peter's the older brother type. Like, give him like five or six more years at least. Where Tom Holland's actually like 30 and uh, and Peter would be in like his mid 20s in the movies. Like then when Miles shows up at a 16 year old, there's the mentor relationship. Then you get like a movie with the two of them Mm -hmm. and then you pass the baton off. If if Tom Holland does decide at some point he wants to move on from the character, which, you know, at this point, I hope never. But everybody does at some point. Yeah, That that would definitely be the way to do it, though, for sure. Yeah, I just think, I mean, there's room for Miles here for sure. Not in this movie, but there's definitely a, a spot for Miles in the MCU. And we'll see him. We'll see him soon, I'm sure. And, and I'll let you guys explain your, your continuation of the series as well. But we were talking about it earlier that I think be- we didn't see Miles on purpose. And it's yeah. gonna it's because it's building to an obvious uh, connection coming. And it may not be right away, but we know that Tom's signed on for X amount of uh, other interactions well, with at least no three rush, films. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But I think a lot of people may may have been. I, I was expecting to see him, so I was kind of like, "Oh, okay, you guys." And you even alluded to it, but then I, they will come through, obviously. Well, if you think about it, they really they have to cast him first, you know. Like they're not just going to put some rando in and then like have him be a different actor the next movie. So I, I totally understood why he wasn't in it. Considering some of the reveals we did get in this movie, some of the characters we weren't necessarily well, maybe some of us were expecting, but. <laughs> Ever since I got bit by that spider, I've only had one week where my life has felt normal. That was when you found out. When you botched that spell where you wanted everyone to forget the Peter Parker Spider-Man, we started getting some visitors. from every universe. 
Hello, Peter. You're not Peter Parker. I'm sorry, what was your name again? Dr. Otto Octavius. <laughs> Wait, no, seriously, what's your actual name? There are others out there. We need to send them back. So, Scooby-Doo this crap. You know, all this is kind of your mess. I know a couple of magic words myself, starting with the word please. Please, Scooby-Doo this crap. You're flying out into the darkness to fight ghosts. What do you mean? They all die fighting Spider-Man. It's their fate. I'm sorry, kid. Yeah, me too. Don't. Look, there has to be another way. There isn't. They're a danger to our universe. You're not gonna take this away from me. Peter. You're struggling. Damn everything you want. While the world tries to make you choose. What's happening? They're starting to come through, and I can't stop them. December 17th, exclusively at movie theaters. Tickets on sale November 29th, Spider Monday. Yeah, in the last episode, we talked about some of our predictions. And it turns out some of ours were kind of on the money. Yeah, actually, um, the the one thing that I was shocked, like, wow, I really know that, was the uh, for the, for the mid-credits scene, we see Tom Hardy's Venom at, yeah. drinking at, like, a tiki bar. And he's, like, kind of quizzing this this guy, like, so this place is just, like, full of superheroes? <laughs> like, what the hell? Amazing, and Venom's yeah. talking to him and stuff. And then they get um, when all the characters that were, we learned why he was brought over here. First of all, mm-hmm. Venom was brought over to the MCU universe as a result of Dr. Strange's spell gone awry, which is what brings all the villains from the previous movies. in. at the end of the film, when they're all being sent back, Venom gets zapped back too. But when he leaves, he leaves behind a symbiote spawn. Mm-hmm. So there's an MCU Venom symbiote out there. And there's literally negative a million percent chance they're not going to follow up on that. So maybe we'll see a villainous Venom in either the next Spider-Man or a future Spider-Man. But I thought that was very cool. And we hit that right on the head. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Real quick about Venom. Do you think it's going to be Flash Thompson? Because that happened in the comics. I'm just saying. I actually had that thought, too. um, Just because this Flash... (laughs) He could be a villain at first and then be redeemed in the same movie. Yeah. But he... but. By the end of this movie, because everyone forgot who he was, I don't think it'll be Flash or anybody from the high school years. I just don't see it. The other thing, and I guess we might as well get it out of the way right away, Matt Murdock. Freaking Daredevil's in this movie. I said no on this one, and you said yes. I said, I don't think Daredevil... I said, we won't see Daredevil. We'll definitely see Matt Murdock. And I think out of all the reveals, 
you know, seeing all the Peters from the previous movies was really cool, but that's the moment that really hit me because I don't know. I don't know. Something about it was just magical. You know, I, I shouted in the theater when that happened. I was like, hell yeah. And then I was kind of embarrassed at how loud I was. Cause like, <laughs> I feel like people were looking at me. I was like shrinking in my seat. <laughs> yeah. No, my wife and I were just staring at the screen with giant smiles and back at each other, like triple takes like, Oh my God, yeah. this is real. And I gave each other Cause she and I like binge watched every season of daredevil. Like as soon as it so dropped, like she was all watching. She likes superheroes. And like over the years, she's become like obsessed with them. Like everybody else with the MCU and stuff. <laughs> And having a husband who's, you know, like literally obsessed with them, you kind of are forced to just, you know, suck it up or, or move on. Yeah. Chris kind of has a problem in case you guys haven't realized. It's, it's not a problem. <laughs> it's an opportunity. Uh, <laughs> well, I want to get, I want to point out something specific too that was exciting about sure, it. Sure. Um, the brick, the brick the moment. Brick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm a really good lawyer. That was a great line. And um, just the idea, so the, I want to harken back to the feeling that Daredevil provided us to, because mm-hmm. just like the MCU shows on Disney Plus right now, that, that really, for me, reinvigorated my interest in everything all over again in a really special way, like just yeah. got me like really excited again. So did the Netflix properties, except, yeah. you know, Iron Fist. But um, <laughs> other than Iron Fist, the rest of them were fantastic and yeah. just kept me, kept the, kept the fire lit. So it's really great to see that they're, they're, they're going to get folded in with totally. with the broader universe that's such a good point i really hope we get to see jessica jones and luke cage we better. and we better they're great i know that in the comics marvel has just replaced danny rand as iron fist with a, a, a south korean mm, character that's smart um, yeah yeah the, the whole idea of like the white blonde <laughs> yeah. kung fu guy was great in the 70s because it was yeah. like a parody of the exploit exploitation team-ups um, I still love Danny Rand as a character, and if you want to make Danny Rand Iron Fist, I'm fine with it. But I also don't have a problem with him being replaced by a more culturally appropriate. Yes, please. Yeah, I don't have a problem yeah, with seriously. that. Seriously. Um, and also because Finn Jones was the most horribly cast person ever, 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 ever. Like, why would you cast a guy who can't act or fight to play a guy yeah. who needs to fight, and because his concept is goofy, needs to act the shit out of it? Yeah. And so they were like, let's get this wussy-ass bitch. But I love Mike Coulter and, and Kristen uh, Ritter. And I don't think MCU is going to be bringing the Punisher in anytime soon. But I'd love to. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe. 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 It, I hope not. But maybe. <laughs> I would love to see Mike Coulter as Luke Cage yeah. and Jessica Jones back in. Sure. Um, but more importantly, since we uh, on Wednesday of last week, we got in a Hawkeye episode five. We got the reveal of Wilson Fisk. Vincent D'Onofrio's yeah. Kingpin in the uh, from Netflix in the MCU versus Hawkeye, apparently. Which and then less than 24 hours later for me, because I saw Spider-Man on the Thursday premiere, yeah. uh, was Daredevil. And um, so I'm just really excited to see where they go with the Netflix characters. Yeah. And of course, we'll do a whole episode on the Netflix series. But I mean, the fact that we got, like you mentioned, Kingpin and Hawkeye, we got Matt Murdock in No Way Home. Like the possibilities here, like I'm, I'm, I'm so hyped for it because like, like Jimmy was saying, like a lot of these series, they really hit you a lot harder because you get to spend more time with the characters. Like they're really fleshed out and it makes it more, they're kind of more grounded Especially typically. really good like Daredevil. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Daredevil was done really well. The scene with the brick was, was amazing. It was one of like a movie that literally is like every 10 seconds you're seeing something where you're like, uh, oh, I'm so happy right now. Like. The whole time, and it's a long movie. Oh yeah, it doesn't feel long, oh, but it totally. is long. Yeah. Um, that was one of my three or four favorite moments. Was yeah. blind catching the freaking brick. It was awesome. I'm a very good lawyer. That was the fun. whole audience was cheering in my oh, yeah. theater when yeah. that happened. It was great. Yeah. So speaking of the audience getting excited, 
We had Toby and Andrew show up. We had the previous two Spider-Men. How crazy did the theater go for you guys when you saw it? Oh, it was it was insane. Andrew shows up first, of course, and his scene is amazing where he's just sticking to the ceiling and cleaning cobwebs and trying to convince them that he's not like that's incredible. And he's so damn funny as Peter Parker. Yeah. Uh, that I loved that scene so much. And then like to top it off in the same freaking scene, yeah. Toby shows up and I don't know if he got a louder cheer because people were more excited to see him or if because the pump had been primed by Andrew showing up first and we were just waiting for it. Yeah. And so it was like, cause when, when Andrew shows up, they tease it so well with like him being long in the shot and then slowly coming in. Yeah. But as soon as he comes through the portal in costume, we're like, Oh, it's happening. Yeah, man. But what about magical Ned? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good. That's point. an important aspect of that scene too. Yeah. The guy that we can't let slip by, and yeah. you know, given Ned's character in the in the comics as well. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting how they kind of flirted around with that a couple times. In a the couple movie, times, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's a great point. But yeah, so there's some really great moments in this movie, obviously, between the three Peter Parkers because they're all very different. And I love how awkward each of them is, each of them are, but like in a, in a different way, you know, like, cause Peter, sorry, Peter Parker, number one, I don't know, like Toby Maguire, his version is very like classic, like sixties Stanley comics, cheesy as hell, just such a dork. But Andrew Garfield's like a little cooler, but he's kind of awkward, maybe a little shy and sarcastic. Whereas Tom Holland's like just nerdy as hell, you know? So I loved seeing those play off each other. Yeah, Tom, I think, has a bit more like innocence to his character or yeah, had until this movie. So much. Like, Especially with this film, because this is all about setting him up to become the traditional Spider-Man. You know, they, they got rid of the whole like Iron Man Jr. moniker in this one. Which is good. Hardcore. Like he is. I mean, I love the fact that they got him where he needed to go through like the most unconventional method possible. Like it was so entertaining that if for some reason they were never able to make any more and thankfully that's not the case. um, And they just ended with that scene of him swinging around. Like I'd be like, all right, it sucks. It's over, but that was awesome. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things too, that really was underneath the entire movie was it wasn't just that it wasn't Tom Holland, Spider-Man redemption story as much as it was. He was redeeming everyone else. Yeah. Like he brought everyone else through that totally. and the events yeah. that he went through and he's gone through, like make him the heavier Spider-Man at all of them. Like Without even that. just that movie, not, not just that movie, but through infinity. Uh-huh. I mean, being through the blip, like yeah. being a kid and all of that, like, that's crazy shit. Yeah. yeah. Losing yeah. everyone, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Tom Holland has been through a lot, but I love how like he still has that youthful optimism that the other ones kind of lack, to be honest. Like Andrew Garfield just looks depressed and I can't blame him, but like that's what makes Tom Holland's Spider-Man more genuine to me. He didn't give up. Yeah. That's it. He, he didn't give up. And like, exactly. And, and he doesn't. And that's what you need to see. That's why that's Definitely. this movie shines. And one of the coolest things is the, that like he wouldn't have gotten there if the other two Spider-Men weren't there to help him get yes, there. Yes, exactly. His, like, Can, they, had, they learned from their losses and their mistakes, sure. which is why Peter, Toby's Peter stops him from getting his brutal revenge on Norman Osborn and why Andrew's Peter saves Mary Jane from falling to her death because the Green Goblin tried to kill her. Yeah. Like, wait, the explosion got the knocks her down. Yeah, it's, 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 it is Osborn. It is Osborn. Yeah, it's all Osborn. It's all Osborn. Just to segue for a second, in a movie full of villains that every single one of them, in my opinion, with the possible exception of Doc Ock, just because he didn't get to be a villain as long in this one, is I thought that every single one of them was better 
than their previous appearances. Oh, yeah. Every single one. Yeah. Um, the lizard didn't get a ton to do, but he was funny as shit. Yeah. Like, and not like There's he was funny, but it was like the way he was used. Like, oh, the dinosaur just talked. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. You know, there, there are so many great bits. Flint Marco is Sandman. Like, he gets angry at one point, and it's fucking terrifying. But he's he when he first shows up, he thinks he's saving Tobey Maguire. Which and makes he's sense because like, the ending of Spider-Man 3. He didn't yeah. die like he actually became a good guy. Right. You know, or so. like they, they parted on good terms. Like yeah. he, they forgave each other and they went yeah. their separate ways, and which is why he doesn't die. <laughs> but it made sense because his motivation was just to get back to his daughter. And he was like, you're fucking getting in my way. Like, I don't care about this shit. Yeah. So I totally got his motivation. Like, even though he was kind of like a side character and didn't really matter, they still gave him a reason. Like. And he, the effects on Sandman were fucking they nuts, were awesome. dude. For a minute, I was like, is Thomas Hayden Church even in this movie? And then I realized yeah, towards the end that he's been in motion capture the whole time. Yeah. Um, and obviously cool. his voice, it's, nice it's definitely his voice. I'm glad he didn't have the green shirt until the end. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was kind of dumb. Oh, I like the green shirt, man. You got to uh, keep the green shirt. Form. It doesn't make sense. Oh, no, no, no. You're right. You're right. You're right. No, you're absolutely <laughs> right. But I, li- I did love um, that all the villains were like upgraded. Out of yes. all of them, the one that shone the most to me by a mile and a half was the main villain of the movie, yeah. and it has to be because he's in it. Is Norman Osborn, Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin, and he was fucking terrifying. Yeah. He was like a literally. If I was a child and saw this movie, I'd be scared <laughs> to death of this dude. Well, and they they got rid of the mask, which yeah, they needed was, to do in the first they, movie. And when, and when he takes, <laughs> he's so so much scarier without the mask. I almost expected him to get like a green face or some shit. Like when he injected himself with yeah. like a second dose of Goblin Serum, I was half expecting him to turn into like the ultimate Green Goblin, like a little more. Yeah, green. like horns and shit. Like I don't know. And while that would have been that awesome, been crazy. I'm yeah. so glad they didn't. It, it actually was more effective because he was human. He, and the fact that like he well, played on their weaknesses, he like he he figured out very quickly. I got to go find a weakness of, I got to go find Peter Parker or a weakness to Peter Parker, you know, and he finds May or whatever. And well, and May had empathy for him, which I thought was kind of interesting. That was a cool way to play it because because he plays it like that. He plays it as, Oh, what was me? I'm poor, confused Norman Osborn. And maybe he is being that. Well, that's the thing. Like, I think they were really uh, leaning into the split personality thing, which at the end, like you realize like he was just along for the ride. Like he says when he kind of comes, he felt like I do. Yeah. Like he was traumatized by it. And I thought that was a really cool angle to, to play it as. Cause when you watch that first Spider-Man movie, there's a couple moments where like, I don't know if he's in control. Like, I think the serum, like just like made his id like go crazy, you know, like his id took over, you know, he, he was just on a roller coaster. This movie has some amazing action in it. And my favorite one-on-one fight, and there's a ton of them, is the first fight, and both of these, there's two, and both of them are fucking terrifying and great. But the first Tom Holland, Peter versus Norman fight in the building, it's in in Happy's apartment building. And there's a bit where Tom leaps up on Defoe's shoulders, and he's like teeing off on his face, man. Just haymakers from mm-hmm. Spider-Man. Like that's getting like hit, get hit with cars in the face. And Defoe just starts. He's taking the shots, and at one point he just they don't affect him at all. He's and he just turns and looks up at him. And he just grins and has that creepy like. <laughs> and he grabs him around the waist and like WWE power bombs him through the floor, and then jumps down and knocks him down through like two more floors, and then kicks his ass. It's just. He's so scary in it. I loved it. And keeping his face uncovered where Defoe can really play up his strength of his mm-hmm. creepy ass facial yeah, expressions he, he can make and the, the emotiveness he has as an actor was so smart. 
Yeah, like he changes his voice. He transforms. Yeah. One thing a lot of maybe people newer to the series didn't really get, I think, is the Green Goblin's kind of like, what if Captain America was insane? Because <laughs> like the, the formula is basically a super soldier serum that didn't quite work. Well, it's not just Captain America because he's all, he's also a genius too. Yeah. So it's like Tony Stark gets the superhero serum, but then it also goes insane. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, can't handle yeah. it. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that would have happened to Tony. Because like Steve would have like I don't know figured out some way to still be a good guy, even though totally. It, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, no matter what, like to his core, like, he, yeah. he would just be I'm mad all the time, but I'm mad for the right reasons. Yeah. You know, like, I'm so mad. We're the Nazis. I'm so yeah. mad about America that I love it so much. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, because yeah, I think. Um, good point because norman wasn't exactly a great person before he became the goblin he was greedy you know sociopath already you know he wasn't evil maybe but then that pushed him over the edge i think that's a good point because even even erskine the thing about the serum too is yeah you know even the good stuff you know uh, it amplifies who you are yeah Yeah, that's exactly right right. uh as much as i adore this character we'll get back to the green goblin when we talk about some story beats but dr octopus is alfred molina's doc ock comes back and when he first shows up he is kind of thinking that he's still around the same time as the fight at the end of spider-man 2 yeah he's like where's my machine peter and peter's like what the fuck he sees he sees peter in the suit yes and the spider he sees tom holland in the the iron spider suit and he just assumes it's toby mcguire and so they start fighting, and when their fight is not going well for Spider-Man, dude, Doc Ock is winging cars around. He's throwing like he is an asshole, and he's scary. It's and it's not until to- uh, Toby, it's not until Tom realizes that he can use the Stark tech in his suit to hack Otto's arms. At which point he kind of becomes like a puppeteer for Otto, yeah. and they play it for laughs, and it's hysterical. Otto's he's like, "What the his f- arms to wrap around him? Like he's he's like." Caught in his own arms. And yeah, he like hugs him up like like they're restra- like a restraint. restraint. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's what and, and he's kind of like going like hee 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 hee. And like, "What the fuck?" It's so uh, angry. It's, it's so like, good. Red. It was great. But yeah, uh, my favorite bit is when Tom. So Tom's Peter decides that they can't just send all these dudes back to their timelines to die like Doctor Strange wants to because he wants to get this done with quickly. Yeah. He's Spider Man. He has to save people. He's like, we can fix things and help them before they go back. And so he diagnoses Doc Ox. Yeah. malfunctioning chip and then using the fabricator that he used to make his suit in the end of far from home he creates a new undamaged inhibitor chip and so doc ock gets like his conscience back and he disappears for a little while yeah but he shows back up at a crucial moment mm-hmm. and he finally has a reunion with toby and it is one of my favorite moments in the whole movie there's yeah. two great it's callbacks yeah. dialogue callbacks with with goblin and doc ock the first is when when they're all in their cells and um, Osborne says to them, well, you know, I'm something of a scientist myself. Yes. And the second one is when, uh, when, when um, Toby swings during the big fight, the Statue of Liberty, he sees Doc Ock and he swings down and just lands and immediately, no danger. He just takes his mask off right away. And Otto gets like this really warm smile on his face. And he's like, he's tearing up and he's like, Peter, how are you, my friend? You know? And, and Toby kind of pauses for a second. And then he goes like, I'm trying to do better. And if you don't get that that reference, I don't blame you. It's a very small moment. It's in Spider-Man 2, yeah. of course, because that's the only time yeah. Doc Ock's been in another movie. But before he has his experiment, it's the day before his experiment when Peter goes to talk to him. Yeah, yeah. Um, he says, you're Kirk Connor's student. Brilliant. He tells me you're brilliant, brilliant. but also lazy. Yeah. And Peter just kind of goes like, ah, I'm trying to do better. And so it's that same moment. And when he says it, Doc kind of pauses for a second. And then he really does tear up. Yeah. And then Osborne shits the bed for everybody. He starts blowing things up. And 
because that's what he does. But it's a really nice moment. Just to piggyback off of what you were what you were saying about Doc Ock, there was that moment where he shows up and he grabs two of the Peters. And for a second there, I was like, oh, shit, was yeah. he just playing this whole time? Is he like the actual like a mastermind behind? It's yeah. like, is this going to be a cliffhanger? You know, and I'm glad it wasn't. But at the same time, like that could have gone very differently there for a second. Well, they didn't I loved that. Go off because you didn't mean them harm. Yeah, it's a good point. That's why they didn't see it coming. Yeah, yeah. I want to uh, sidetrack things for sure. a second here, too, because there's a, a, another important piece I don't want us to miss. Of course. It, it, it feels like Doctor Strange is very irresponsible. Yeah, what is up? And. Not not only him, but Wong as well. In the sense that he like harkened to the Hawkeye episode, where he's like, you know, the Sorcerer Supreme pit fighting for money or whatever. You know, yeah, like, he's training the like what? In Shang Chi, he's training the. Oh, it, okay, so that's what. Because when they get to the locker room, oh, it's he right, it's like. Yeah. Sorry, he's training the abomination, which is if you, there's a very small moment in Shang Chi after you see their fight, where he's in the like locker room with the abomination, yeah. and as he's opening up a portal that they both walk through together, he goes, "All right, Emil, did you see what I did that time? Like you're starting to learn better." And he's like, mm. "He's like, yeah, you need to use your brain more, something to that effect." He's trying to like he's trying to like rehabilitate. Rehabilitate. Okay, so I'll pass on that, but I don't want to miss the point that yeah. Strange just seems to be acting throughout the movie in a very reckless and careless and thoughtless manner in yeah. a lot of ways. And so, and that, that threw it me seemed off. out of character for sure. Very out of character. Maybe it's related to the blip. I don't know if that's something that, that people who return are just kind of out of whack in general. I and mean, we'll notice a pattern there. I don't think he's necessarily a scroll, although maybe no. <laughs> I'm just joking. A magical. Scroll. I don't think I, because he can, because he's able to do his stuff. Yeah. No, um, I, I, you know, I think there is a little bit of like, there, there is some, something to that. Like his, irresponsibility in agreeing to do the spell initially. I think he really just feels bad for this kid and like feels a kinship with him because they've they're like war buddies at this point. They've been through like the most famous moment in the history of the universe. They fought the guy that killed everybody uh, twice. Yeah. You know, and um, I, I he just he wanted to I think more than anything, too, you got to keep in mind, he mentions that he's no longer Sorcerer Supreme yeah. because during because he was blipped. And so during the time he was gone, Wong had to step into that role. Yeah. And it Apparently, he's been doing it very well, totally. uh, which I thought was cool. But the, I think he just kind of wanted to feel of use. I don't think he feels very useful right now, which is why he's stro- – oh, another thing we got right. Yeah. Uh, the question we, you were having about why the Sanctum is covered in snow. Yeah. And I said, remember those portals from Doctor Strange movie yeah. that went to, like, different locales? What if one of them got, like, blocked open or like something? And that's like, like a blizzard came through. The, but, yeah, like, he's kind of been relegated to just standing around drinking coffee. Like, I think he's bored. And it is irresponsible, but that's also, like, you got to keep in mind who Stephen Strange is. He's a guy who fixes things. Like, that's what he does. And when he's got idle hands, like, that's not good for anybody. Well, more to that point, too, I think it's 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 specific to how his character is going to develop in what yes. we'll talk about later, which is Multiverse of Madness. Right. Yeah. You know, because there has to be this level, uh, you know, you have to have a justifiable reason for someone at that level of power to be bored or to make these kinds of mistakes and then all these things to unfold and for it to make sense so i would agree with your theories on that i just you know i was was curious what you guys thought whether or not it's it's more of like the corruption that comes with that kind of power over time or if it's a you know because the sympathy's there but also the idea that you can just eh, whatever we'll just fuck around with the entire memory of everyone you know like that kind of that the the the, and then you know the the lives of the villains like all those things is very careless and reckless like no regard for like so it's almost like that power and i think what it's going to play towards is him losing power eventually i think that's where this comes from because he's he's 
he's got a disregard for life that doesn't make sense for someone who who should wield that kind of power especially a doctor well i think i think he had a good point about him kind of looking a little callous towards the villains is that like these men chose their fates it's already happened and if we're comparing five villains lives against everyone in the multiverse the math here doesn't add up. Like you would happily, you should be happily killing these guys to save gazillions of lives. But that shouldn't be the answer. No, no but you, you can do that math. It's, I mean, whatever. That that's whatever. But that shouldn't be how you come to that answer. It should be this. This has to be protected. I'm sorry that this has to happen. Not you know, fuck these guys. They whatever. Yeah, I mean, these are five guys. I see five guys die. You know, a million times when I look into. I think I think he kind of almost looks at them because they're pulled from universes where they, other than Marco, already died. That he's looking at them like they're not supposed to be here at all. My responsibility is to put them back where they came from. It's not my job to fix their lives from where they came from. Yeah, and that's where you see the difference. That's why Spider-Man's different than other heroes. He's not the guy who's like, I'm just here to beat you. He's the guy who will almost die because he wants to make sure the villain, he almost got killed by the vulture just so he could save his life. Yeah. And they, they've played that through. Well, I guess in that sense, then that's Strange's <laughs> redemption arc in the movie about redemption in that sense. So, so yeah. because he, when he comes back and he gets, he gets, he gets unlocked, he sees that Peter's actually gone and fixed most of the shit and he's impressed yeah. and it gets to him. Yeah. So. yeah you're right. That's and, that, point. and that's a great point. And that's played out in their last conversation where Peter goes to Strange and tells him, you have to make that spell where everybody forgets me and strange realizes kind of like wow i have misjudged this situation terribly like this is not some irresponsible kid who made like who's just making messes like he's he's a real hero where this is where he goes back remember because at first he's like we saved the universe together i think i'm past sir yeah and he's like okay steven all right that felt weird but i'll allow it and then later when he's pissed at peter he's like you call me sir (laughs) and then he's like i'm sorry so he's like steven you know like I do think he had like a little mini arc in that movie, but I think you're absolutely right that that's going to be played out in the events of Doctor Strange 2, which this movie does a lot to set up. Exactly. I do think that. And we'll we'll get to that towards the end, I think, where we talk about how it how it wraps up in the comics. Like you have to like Strange gets depowered and he, he has sure. to. It's too much, yeah, you know. Like, I just came from Kung Fu for a little while. Yeah, yes. I think I think that we're going to see, yeah. you know, a lot of the magic wielders to have the limitations eventually put to what they're able to do. But in the meantime, it's going to be cool as fuck. Yeah, <laughs> so. I I totally forgot to mention uh, they really make a point of pointing out that he doesn't have the time stone anymore, and they I think that's like he's nerfed because of that, and maybe that's why he's feeling a little insecure and making rash decisions because he can't fix the things the way he used to be able to. Because like at least the MCU version of Doctor Strange, that was like his main power set was so, altering time, right? So do we have closure on what happened with the glove? I mean, with Tony's <laughs> glove, obviously, but with and Steve the stones over it, there. Steve, Steve. Oh yeah, took okay, the yeah, stones back and put them where they were taken like the way Banner told the ancient one they would put them back from the moment they were taken so like presumably as soon as Banner takes the time stone from the ancient one in 2012 and then zips back to the present when Steve time no that's fine Steve time travels back and presumably shows up right after he leaves like here you go do you want to know what this podcast is I imagine that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice tumbling down the rabbit hole hmm do you believe in fate listener Let me tell you why you're here. You are here because we formed opinions on something. Podcasters assemble is everywhere. We are all around you, even now in this very room. You hear us when you put on your headphones or log into Patreon. You can feel us when you go to work, 
This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. Press skip. The story ends. You wake up at your job and believe whatever you want to believe. You press play. You stay in Wonderland, and we show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all we're offering you are our opinions, nothing more. No one can be told what Podcasters Assemble is. You must experience it for yourself. Do you fondly remember blowing the dust out of a golden Nintendo cartridge to get it to work? Get the dust out of it. Alright, here we go. Yes, let's get it! Now the screen's gray. Aw, man! Or those long nights when you were up late fighting Ganon and you'd hear your mom coming downstairs. Hello? That's mom. Uh, put in your sleep. Wait, pause it! Pause it! Turn off the TV! Do you think she's gone? Make a sound. Hmm, I thought I heard two boys down here. Oh well. Well, Ben and Pat are here to transport you back to those exhilarating moments as the Hyrule Podcasters! Join the two brothers each week as they play through Zelda games in Nintendo's legendary series. Episodes are filled with color commentary, lightly researched facts, personal anecdotes, and more. Hyrule Podcasters is available through Anchor on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the Hyrule Podcasters on Facebook and Instagram at Hyrule Podcasters and on Twitter at Hyrule Podcasters. And then, of course, we, we talked about Sandman, but I think the real redemptive ones are the amazing Spider-Man villains here. Right. So in this one, we get a way cooler take on Jamie Foxx's Electro, which blew me away. I thought he was great in this movie. I wasn't expecting that. Like, I didn't expect him to be like a major villain. He was almost the main villain there for a second. You know, like he was kind of terrifying. There's a really cool moment where Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man confronts Electro on like the head of the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. And he's like, Max, I'm trying to help you. I've always been trying to help you. Yeah. And Max lashes out at him and, and Peter jumps like the last second. Yeah. The bottom of his shoes on fire when he's swinging away from him. I was like, that's a cool fucking tidbit. But no, Jamie Foxx was much better in this one. And they even point out that it's like. It's not Jamie Foxx's fault either. We got to point out like. No, 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 no. But his. Oh, they made choices with that. Max <laughs> Dillon in this movie is written for Jamie Foxx. Yes. Not Jamie Foxx having to act like the schlub that they created for Max Dillon. Yeah, definitely. And uh, he's he really, the fact that like the energy fields are different in this universe and like the Stark technologies here, which he really digs. Up on. Um, and like his, even like the energy wavelengths being different, he's no longer blue. Um, and he's, it's just like everything about him was fixed. And it was, there was one brief moment when he first uses powers to attack Peter, right when Sandman pops up, where they played the Elfman, like that the, the, the electro theme. Oh, yeah, That like yeah, slaps yeah. like so fucking hard before he starts going like, he hit my feelings, Spider-Man. Yeah. But um, there's some good like background like humming that yeah. they put in there with the music. But when he first attacked, they hit the same note that they use in Amazing Spider-Man 2 when he's like decimating Times Square. Yeah, which it was, was very cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was he was pretty intimidating, and he was very powered up, and it was really nice to see. Real quick, quick note about the music: there were so many great like music callbacks, callbacks yeah. to like the the Raimi films, and obviously Garfield. I, yeah, like I almost teared up at that that moment where you get the dun, 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 like yeah. the drums when you yeah, see yeah, when they go to the with the uh, was it the college? No, the high school. Yeah. It was awesome. Um, speaking of tearing up, too, I think, Chris, you wanted to talk about a specific moment in the movie as well. So oh, man. Uh, we might as well get to that. Uh, let's get it. Rip yeah, that we might off. as well rip the Band-Aid off. <laughs> um, I do want to mention, we mentioned the lizard already, right? Uh, Reese Yvonne's lizard is also, like, improved visually. Visually. <laughs> he's, he's, he's 
pretty much the same character. I didn't think he was lame. He was just like he didn't really he didn't really have anything against them. He just wanted to go home and like and then realized like oh I don't want to go back and die. Like did I die? And they're like I don't know. And he's like shit I don't want to die. I thought Garfield made him funnier though because yeah yeah you tried to turn everybody in the city into lizards. Which is honest. No Jamie Fox did that. Remember Jamie Fox? Yeah Jamie Fox was goofing on him. Yeah, no, they kind of made fun of his movie a little bit, but he was cool and he looked way cooler. Like there was a shot when he was in that cell where he's in shadow and his eyes are little red that dots, and I was like, oh. That was cool. Um, so no, he the, the villains were all fantastic, but again, to go back to our boy Norman Osborn, world's biggest piece of shit, <laughs> because this Peter, this Tom's Peter, hadn't lost enough yet. Norman Osborn kills Aunt May. I and didn't see that coming. It's a really great scene. Like, he's beating Peter to death. Like, he's fucking him up. And Aunt May tries to intervene. And uh, she does help him. But then Osborne hits her with the glider. With the blades. And, like, or just knocked her into, like, like he, like, collapsed all this crap on top. Or, like, he knocks half the building down. fucking throws a pumpkin bomb. And then he throws a pumpkin bomb into the building and, like, blows up shit. And then... Uh, Peter jumps in front of her and he takes the blast, but it could be shrapnel from that. It could have been with the glider. We don't know what it was that killed her, but and she doesn't die right away. She gets up and she's like, you know, she and Peter are talking and she gives him the line with great power must come great responsibility. And then uh, she really they realize she's bleeding and she just goes down and she dies looking into Peter's eyes while he's like, has the feds coming to arrest him and they're arresting happy for like child endangerment because he knew who Peter. And I mean, fucking it's. Shoot. They shoot. They, Peter. they try to shoot Peter. Yeah, they shoot Peter. They do shoot Peter. It gets dark. Um, and then he retreats up to like a roof somewhere, and and MJ or a roof that MJ and and Ned know where to look for him because it's like his quiet spot. Unbeknownst to that, our Peter Tom Holland. This is when MJ and Ned meet Andrew and Toby, and um through Ned's use of the sling ring that Peter stole from Doctor Strange, that when Doctor Strange wants to send the villains back to their times, Peter vehemently disagrees, and there's a really awesome sequence and he's trying to run away from dr strange yeah. and oh, strange is like using portals to make him like web himself and it was the mirror dimension you know he did it he used the mirror dimension after the portal bit failed oh yeah you're right because he <laughs> spider-man keeps getting past all his tricks and he's like son of a bitch yeah. and he gets away from him and so he goes like all right fine he sends them both into the mirror dimension which is the bit in the trailer where the train scene and all that and uh, that was another incredibly inventive scene. You got to be so hyped. This dude's directing Fantastic Four because he has made three killer MCU movies. Yeah, yes. John Watts is a genius. Oh, All these. Yeah. Yeah. He's doing the MCU Here, Fantastic sorry. Four. You've been reading a lot of Fantastic uh, Four. Yeah, so MCU. I really hope he's going to do part of that. He he has already. He's got to. How can he not? He said that the stuff that he read in preparation for it was the Stanley and Jack Kirby stuff. Like the classics you got. And then like some John Byrne stuff and then Hickman stuff. Those are the essentials. I mean, right there. Yeah. Hickman elevates the FF. So so we'll see what version of the FF they bring to the screen. Like if Franklin and Valeria are around or if that's to come later. The power pack. (laughs) I think they'll lead to that, honestly. (laughs) I hope so. I mean, that would be a great like MCU cartoon. Once you see Eternals, you're going to be so fucking hyped for the way the MCU will be able to handle Galactus because the way they use Celestials is like Galactus level stuff. Like it's so badass, dude. Yeah, yeah. You're going to love it. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. It's that, a good so. movie. It's yeah. a good, it is a good movie. It's not the best MCU movie, but it's not. It, it's like in the top yeah. half at least. Well, I want to say for me, it was different with the Aunt May. I, I felt like they, they it yeah. was, it was coming. Yeah, I could see like as she was descending down, I was just like, oh no. Well, yeah. Here we go. This I, is crazy. And then, yeah. and then when you know when, it, but I felt it was handled beautifully. Definitely. They tied it in. They made it all make sense again. 
Uh, this poor kid, obviously, it's like Jesus Christ, leave him alone. But yeah, at the same time, so you know, much. like Stop, they, we love him so much. Stop yeah, hurting him. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. How else do you deliver the line and make yeah. it make sense? And and so yeah, no, you're right. I did not see that scene coming, but during the scene, I was like, oh shit! Like as soon as the goblin showed up, and like when she's like trying to help him with the fight, I was like, this is not going to end well. If and it was any other villain, I wouldn't have felt scared. It's the goblin, but dude. Because it's Norman Osborn. In the comics, he's he is caught. It too. He said, he was like, this is going to hurt or yeah. something. Yeah. 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 He's so self-aware. That's what's great about him. <laughs> like he's such a fucking dick. Willem Dafoe is like my, one of my all-time favorite actors, yeah. character actors especially. But like and as the Green Goblin, yeah. even in like the Sam Raimi film, Jesus which Christ is ever. <laughs> yeah, that's a good movie actually yeah it is um but the uh even with like the somewhat cheesy nature of the Raimi films which is yeah. intentional oh totally um he is they have their place even in that movie he's scary it's, he is for what's essentially well a kid's considering movie. he's in a power rangers outfit yeah. like he's pretty damn God, that's scary such a great moment where he smashes when the, yes when the goblin starts talking to him he smashes the mask the whole crowd cheer honestly even You're before like, yay! yeah now i mean i i've talked about this before on the podcast i'm not a fan of that mask no, but they no. actually even improved the mask before they smashed yeah, it it looked kind of cool showed up he actually looks pretty intimidating yeah yeah so they actually pulled that off real quick aunt may man i did not like I said, I didn't expect it. It hit me really, really hard, but I think it was necessary. I did not expect Aunt May to be the Uncle Ben in this universe. I never considered it. I mean, they hinted that there is an Uncle Ben, but like who maybe he just had a heart attack or something. We So this like really, I think works and it sets Tom Holland's Peter up so well going forward, you know, like he's had a lot of growth these last three to six movies if you count the Avengers. Yeah, and so <laughs> I love the fact that like, he's introduced to the other two Peters when he's at like his lowest moment. Yeah. And it's like when he just lost a relative that he blames himself for. Like if there's ever anybody you want to talk to in that situation, it's Peter fucking Parker. Yeah. And there's two of them (laughs) that both have. And I, I I thought it was, I thought for, for sure. when, when Toby tells about uncle Ben, that Andrew would be like me too, but he didn't, he just talked about Gwen, which is fine. Cause you don't, then it becomes like a competition. Like I lost Ben and Gwen. You're like, ah, well, well for Andrew, that death was more his fault. Yes. And so in that sense, you know, that probably meant like, like you know, that's, that's a lot different. Like it's a yeah. recklessness to it. And, and I'm, I'm a careless kid that doesn't know I'm going to have this power. For sure. That affects Toby. But yeah. yeah. yeah you're right. And they're also coming from, you know, uh, very, very different circumstances where Peter, Toby's Peter saved Mary Jane every time. She almost, she had like that the Gwen moment in all three of those movies. And every time he saved her. And Andrew just got, fucked by circumstances and uh yeah so like that was also probably one of the biggest reactions where where when when uh, the aforementioned scene where where toby and otto were talking yes and osborne shows up as stanley so famously put it in mall rats pumpkin bomb the hell out of the place that's this that's when mj gets knocked off the the scaffolding that you see oh, in yeah. in the trailer and the tom is the one that's gonna grab her you see in the trailer but in that shot in the trailer where their hands are right about the touch Osborne, this piece of shit, zooms in and like sideswipes him. And there's a slow motion shot of her like following him as he leaves her and realizing she's about to die. She falls past Andrew and he's like, fuck that. Yeah. And he throws himself out. He pulls himself down towards her. He catches her and then he lands. And when he lands, 
he asks if she's okay because she's freaking out. And she goes, yeah, I'm okay. And when she says, yeah, I'm okay, his face like melts because he just starts crying. And then she's like, are you okay? And he kind of has this really sad smile. And he's like, yeah, I am okay. The audience reacted to that so strongly. Like it went from, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, to like dead silence and sniffles in like eight seconds. That was such a powerful moment. And and it was it was so it was something I didn't know I needed. Like I got closure on both Andrew Garfield's arc and Toby Maguire's because they both honestly like their stories were not done when they left. Like they just kind of cut reboot um, and just forgot about them. But like they kind of were in a dark place last time we saw them. It was really, really nice to get closure on their story arcs. I just think it's funny because the movie's titled No Way Home, but then everyone goes home better. Like yes. that's how it works. It's it's well, great, you know. I mean, right. you might point somebody out, but I feel like everybody has something that that even, even Tom. I mean, he's 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 left everybody in a better place in his mind. So it's true. Yeah, to an extent. In my mind, No Way Home refers to Tom Holland because by the end of the movie, there is No Way Home. His home is gone. His support system is gone, literally and figuratively. His family is gone. His friends are gone. Everything that he depended upon is gone. He's an adult at this point. He's 18. He didn't graduate high school. He's he's got to find a job. He's living in some like shitty fucking apartment. Was that the same apartment from the McGuire films by the way cuz it looked kind of No, it doesn't have the really big it doesn't have the big French doors in it. Um but it was uh it, it, he by the end of the movie like he's he's in a, a a ground zero kind of place like a square one ground zero is a wrong term. <laughs> he's in a square one situation for Spider-Man like you know Peter Parker living on his own shitty apartment, no money doing this just because that's what he's driven to do. He, he doesn't have an Aunt May. He doesn't have a Tony Stark. He doesn't have even a Dr. Strange or a Mary Jane or a Ned. Like none of that is there for him. So his home is gone. Even the Avengers don't know him now, yeah. which is weird. I just think it, it marks an interesting point because yeah. at the end of that movie, the decision that he's made is that before where he was protecting Peter Parker from Spider-Man, now he's Spider-Man. Yep. And Peter Parker Fully. is just this guy that lives at this apartment. And Spider-Man is who t- is now and it's like a switch, you know, like yeah. now now Spider-Man is in control. It's not Which is it's kind of interesting cuz in the Toby films they kind of did that a little bit at one point in Spider-Man 2. He just wanted to stop being Spider-Man and so I think the shortwave radio scene towards yeah. the end like tells you where this Spider-Man's headed. Like yeah. he's a definitely neighborhood Spider-Man. Definitely. 100%. I think I think maybe I was thinking more Spider-Man 3 cuz he he kind of almost lets Spider-Man aspect of his life take over too much and i feel like tom holland's gonna have to go through those growing pains also because eventually he's gonna have to find balance between the two you know because he still has to you know be happy sorry (laughs) i don't think it's a matter of him giving up on peter parker that's why he had the ged book he's not giving up okay he's still going forward the problem is he had to give up on everything he had been building towards his life is gone there is no grades for peter parker there is no like that's all gone so everything he had been building his whole life, he had to sacrifice, which was his big heroic moment at the end of the movie. So he's not giving up. He's found a place to live in the city. Yeah. He's built a new suit on his own. He's out there swinging around patrolling. He's trying to go back and finish high school. Like, I don't think he's given up. I think he's just having to start from a, a really unfamiliar place. Yeah. And it's a little weird to see this version of Peter in that spot because we've seen him in Tony Stark's car and... 
Doctor Strange's house and flying around with, you know, in, in yeah. Europe with Nick Fury. And it's like, so we're kind of used to seeing him like with all the amenities and now he doesn't have anything. Um, so it's really, I think, setting a, is a great way to end this trilogy because you bring him to, like I said, Square One Spider-Man. And it's an even better way to set up a new trilogy where you've got like a tabula rasa. Like you literally have a blank slate that you can do anything with. Piggybacking off of what you said, I, I do agree. I, I guess the better way for me to explain it is that I'm still sticking with this idea. He used to be protecting himself from Spider-Man. Like Spider-Man was this thing right. that got thrust upon him and it was cool, but it was also like stopping him from getting to, you know, become an adult and do yeah, you know, have high school right. and do. Uh, I so, think far from home. Yes. And homecoming. No. Yo, yeah. 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 Homecoming. Right. It was, homecoming. It was the new toy. Yeah. Yeah. He was scared. And wanted to back away from it. That shit was real as fuck. So. Yeah. It got real, real fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you, you died for five years. Yeah. I mean, and you know. your mentor dies in front of you. And, yeah, yeah. you fought Fucked alien up. invading armies. And, yeah. yeah, your whole concept, your cosmological <laughs> concept is different. So, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, this guy, this, this Spider-Man is different in general. But. With that said, it's not that he's going to disregard Peter. It's just nobody cares now because Peter doesn't exist. Yeah. You know, Peter's a nobody. So it's less of a point as it was before. I mean, he's got to still have his identity to himself because yeah. people still want to know who Spider-Man is. But he's not putting all these other people in jeopardy anymore so he can let loose. And that's going to be, I think, the difference in these next movies. And hopefully how Venom maybe plays into it. Oh, so. yeah, definitely. That's exactly what I was going to say. I think that's why... The post credit scene, it wasn't just to be like, hey, look, Venom. I think it's because, like, the next time you see Peter, he's going to be dealing with this shit. And he's, again, his support structure is all gone. And there's no way he doesn't have, like, mountains of repressed anger building up. And if nothing else, that shit will play off on that Venom. The Venom symbiote will play off on anger and and take advantage of that. Well, you got to think too. Remember that now, if 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 how this is going to play out plays out, that Venom symbiote is now cut off from anything it knows except for Peter Parker. So it has to seek out yeah, Peter Parker. Right it doesn't that. know anything else. It, it, like it's a primary anchor to anything that's going to get it to a next level of existence is Peter Parker because Eddie's gone now. Eddie's back to where he needed to be with the rest of the suit. So I didn't really even consider this, but. These last few Spider-Man movies have all been team-ups, pretty much. And for the first time, he's really, like you said, he doesn't he doesn't have a support system. He's going to be on his own, I think, uh, for the first time, really. And I think that's kind of interesting. He doesn't have any mentors to rely on. He has himself, and he, that's going to be a challenge. And I think it'll be really interesting to see. I think it would be super fucking cool if they continue with the team-up mentality. It doesn't have to be like heavily featured. Right, okay. But there's a couple characters that he needs to team up with. One is Daredevil. Daredevil. Yes, you're right. You're right. I'm the sorry. other one it's is the cool. Human Torch. Yeah, they have to be like I don't give a shit yeah. where it happens. It doesn't have to happen in a Spider-Man movie, sure. but that would be ideal to have Johnny Storm like a co-star in a, a Spider-Man movie. Because if there's ever a character from Marvel that needs to be in a team-up movie with Spider-Man, it's the Human Torch. How fucking cool would it be if Spider-Man's actually in the Fantastic Four movie, just like in the comics that he was in the first issue? Yeah. No, no, so, they were in his first issue. That's what it was. Yeah, issue. but still, you know, like it feels natural, you know, because they were. You know, well, they were in Amazing Spider-Man number one where he's in the container on the yeah, cover like this. And they're like, right. what the fuck? He shows up to the FF headquarters like, hire me. I'll be the fifth uh, member. I want yeah. a job. He's like, doesn't, we get government five. grants. Like, we don't <laughs> yeah, and he's like, ah, oh, well, fuck you then. <laughs> but how fucking cool would it be if that happened, if that kind of happens in this next Fantastic Four movie? Like, they, well, right. there's so like I, an ongoing think... joke that like Spider-Man's like, hey, you guys are cool. Can I hang out? Like, I... like who are you? <laughs> 
when you're done. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. I here's what I when you asked where we think it would go. I want to see the next movie be Black Suit Spider Man, yeah. Daredevil, Black Cat, Kingpin. Some combination of that go group. Real dark with it. Right? Craven would be cool. I well that's I'm saying Kingpin is what I want in that one. Uh, okay. Right? And the next Kingpin, one Kingpin hires Craven. But then well, yeah, you can do that. You might have too many I don't know. It depends on how much you want to feature Daredevil or Black Cat, you know? Oh, fair but so I think Fisk it depends on what they do and on Disney Plus too in like side True. stories. They right. Really build up a bunch of stuff and then yeah. finish it in the theaters. So. That would yeah. Be the so I, I think what I want to see is, is I want to see the black suit Spider-Man, not Venom, so. not yet. No, the black suit Spider-Man. Yeah, right. The fifth yeah, movie. They could still do Secret Wars. Sorry. Well, the fifth movie, I'd like to see the Human Torch. And yeah. that's the movie where it starts to Venom out. Right. And he gets rid of it. The sixth movie, Miles Morales is his buddy, and Venom is the villain. Yeah, that'd be smart. Right? Because then you got three Spider-Man. Because then you can have Venom jumping from Eddie Brock to Peter Parker to Miles Morales during the fight. Like yeah. Eddie would be using it as a weapon. Like, he's going to jump on Miles and punch Peter, then jump back on Eddie and dodge. Like, you could do all kinds of cool shit with that, and you could even bring Human Torch back to be like, fire, bitch. Yeah. But I think that that, that's what I, you asked where we want it to go. I think you do Kingpin, then you do uh, uh, the Spider-Man and the Human Torch, and that one... the villain you could do Craven easily. Craven would be awesome. Um, you, there's fifty different villains you could use. Mister Negative would be cool. Although Mister Mag- Negative would also be cool in the, the Daredevil Kingpin one. Scorpion. Scorpion. I mean, kind of Vulture could come back. Like you yeah, could introduce your own. Everyone really wants Matthew McConaughey to play Norman Osborn for some reason. I that's what I keep seeing everywhere. Okay. I have I have a I have a point about that. I would be very happy if this is the last we see of Green Goblin. Because yes. it's they can't top it. No. It was uh, so good. This was peak Green Goblin. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. They, they so don't need to bring like back Ledger, Good Joker level. Green yes. Green. They can't top it. Don't try. And none of that, you, can, we, you can do the Hobgoblin, but yes. don't do Green Goblin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do all the other things, but don't touch this again. Especially please. because we dealt with Green Goblin the last two series. So it, we needed this, but this is the last time, I think. This was a farewell to these characters. Anyway. Yes. I don't think we're going to see any of those villains again. I don't. No. I don't. I don't. I what don't. about Doc Ock? No. Though? I don't. No. I feel like we'll see Doc no. Ock again. No. Maybe a different version. Not not Alfred Molina. But... No. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think we're going to see Doc Ock, that Green Goblin, Man. Electro, Sandman, Mysterio, Lizard. I don't think we're going to see any of them. Yeah. You don't need to. He's like 50 other yeah, A-list villains you can pick from. Yeah. And they're coming, too. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to eventually see Doc Ock again, but a different version. I, I just think it's like, done. Like the, the, Three movies from now. Yeah. Spider-Man I mean, I love Doc Ock. If they want to use Doc Ock, I'm happy with it. I, you asked if we think he's going to do it. No. I don't Not think those... Not soon, no. No, I don't think... That'd be cool. I don't think that as long as we see this Spider-Man, those guys are coming back. I don't. Now, I, that's an opinion. I don't base it on anything other than the fact that we've seen them. And I think this was them signing off on those franchises. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see any more of those characters, the Spider-Man or the villains. I love how heated this is getting. This is great. Um, But I agree with you partially. I do think I would be happy if we never see Lizard, Sandman, or Electro again. Or Green Goblin. I do think that Doc Ock, it would be nice to see him one more time, but maybe not Alfred Molina. Maybe a different version, but not for a few movies. Again, I would be thrilled. (laughs) I love the characters. I love if they wanted to bring back all those guys, I would prefer no more Osborn just because we've seen it done to death at this point. We have. Like you said, it's, it's peaked. It's peaked. Well, depending on how they introduce Miles, they yeah. could then use him briefly, and That's it would true. and it wouldn't be cringy. It would make sense, you yeah. Know? But anything else, it's going to be rough to to keep yeah. him in Alfred Molina version or any version. It just sure. you have to you know you have to sell it, and I don't think people are so much sold on the character as they were Alfred Molina's portrayal of it. 
That's like, true. Doc Ock's not all that interesting to me. Who I'm not an outsider, but at the same time, like it was, it was it was Molina selling it that made it really like Molina genuine and sin- sincere. Like you know, it's you felt like, the pain when he was in pain, and yeah. you felt him feel better when he was better. I mean, it is it is kind of like Vincent D'Onofrio as the kingpin, you yes, know, because exactly. like he just nails the character so well. It's like, should you even try again? <laughs> like, I get that. What's funny is that the only version of that character that's even remotely comic accurate is when he's like a total a-hole when things burn down. Like the Doc Ock in the comic books does have redeeming qualities and he does have some things about him that are borderline heroic, but he's also like a nasty motherfucker. Like it took him becoming Peter Parker to ever even learn. Yeah, exactly. Half that. Well, a lot of that stuff. Yeah. But some of it, like he, he, he hates violence against women. Hates yeah, it because yeah, yeah. his dad abused his mom all the time. Yeah, so like he even as a supervillain, like if you hit a girl, he'd like beat the shit out of you. Kill you. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, not beat the shit out of you. He'll tear you to pieces. Um, but no, he, it's like he did have like this weird kind of like Venom in the '90s level like code of ethics. He where like yeah. there are certain lines he wouldn't cross, but at the same time he would threaten. Kind of he wouldn't stand to see you punch a woman, but he threatened to blow up a city full of them. <laughs> yeah, because you know, psychopath. Yeah, like they were just faceless. Nothing's to him. I'm not shaming this individual woman. I'm a- all of them. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So no, I I, I I would love to see other versions of them that because I'm always excited to see other versions of them. But I do think that we've seen you know I I seem to think think we've seen the last of these guys. That's understandable. That's understandable. I have a couple more questions for you guys, real quick. How do you guys feel about not getting a full Sinister Six in this movie? And if you have an argument for who the sixth member is, I'd love to hear it. So I don't, it didn't bother me so much because the movie is so incredible. Like it's every two seconds. I was like, this is the happiest I've ever been, uh, <laughs> but in a, in a movie theater, of course. but, but um, it, it, you know, it, my OCD. Yeah. Sorry. Wedding day, wedding day. My OCD does make it like, God, dang, you're, you're right there. Like, um, but at the same time, like, I feel like the movie, they, they probably felt like, if we added even one more, it's too many. Like they yeah, were, they skirted, they skirted too many. They could have ditched one or two of those guys and it would have been just as effective, yeah. but they just wanted to get the full package for everybody. That's why Lizard was like, like kind of relegated to the sidelines yeah. a little bit at times. Yeah. I don't think one of those Doctor Strange tanks could have fit Paul Giamatti's rhino. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. So for me, I almost feel like, and this was kind of subtle, maybe not subtle, honestly. J. Jonah Jameson was kind of like a villain in this movie, more so than previous versions, because he was like basically like Alex Jones, like misinformation. Like that that angle was kind of interesting, but like I have mixed feelings about it because I loved the J. Jonah Jameson from the Raimi films. He wasn't quite that. He was more malicious. You know, at least that J. Jonah Jameson at least had redeeming qualities because there was that moment in that first movie where he defends Parker. But like this version would sell him out, like he did. Well, it's it's, they're a reflection of their times, right? Like the 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 Raimi Jonah is the Stanley Jonah, and that's the 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 blowhard egotist (laughs) with the sense of right and wrong. Like Jonah does have a very very strong sense of right and wrong, and Jonah is a good dude. He's just a dickhead. Like, he's a good person who yeah. does things, the right things for the wrong reasons a lot of times. Yeah. But he does the right things. Yeah. Um, maybe a little better late than never, but he's still, you know. Right. This one is what that guy is nowadays instead of when Stan wrote him originally. Yeah. It's not the Stan Lee version from the 60s. Oh, from the current it's, yeah. No, 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 yeah. from real life. Oh, I see what you're saying. Jonah's not like this in the comics at all. Yeah. Yeah. This is what that dude would like be in real life now. He's... <laughs> 
He's uh, he's a he's a sensationalist. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, imagine Bill O'Reilly's been through the blip, lost people, came back, watched superheroes, Fair saw enough. their sense of entitlement instead of it being like you know people that live south of the border or whatever. But all those things like <laughs> that's, that's yeah that 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 same mindset just yeah. applied to supers and yeah. you know enhanced individuals where and especially when they fold in mutants, it'll be very much on that. Oh so, yeah, yeah, you know because that be, whole dynamic is going to be huge, and yeah. I'm interested to they're see. Definitely, how they, they're building to it for sure. You can tell with stuff like this. I yeah, I but I think they're gonna just drop. When it comes, it's gonna come fast. Yeah, yeah. And the mutants are gonna show up, and it's gonna be all about the mutants. We got Mart Madripoor. We got a few references in some of the shows, right? Yeah. So. Well, they're yeah. not mutant references. They're just places that the X Men are known for visiting. But I, I, the one thing I want to say about Jameson's character is that yeah. he plays the important role of the guy that says the things that a lot of us are thinking, but don't yeah, necessarily. Yeah. And and. He's also kind of Rick, like Rick and Morty, where in the sense he, he's nailing the points, but he's saying it in just such an asshole way you want him to be wrong. Yeah, so, you know, right. that's also... That's a good point. That's a good point. Something else I want to point out that I, it just occurred to me when you were talking, so thank you for giving this, but one of my favorite bits back in the, the Stan Lee days, and Mark Miller played it up there in his awesome Marvel Knights run that we mentioned in our oh, yeah, Essential was, Spider-Man reads, yeah. which is on the website. But it's um, there's been a couple times where Jonah, for whatever reason, has had like a real bug up his ass about Spider-Man, more so than normal, mm-hmm. and has like put out bounties on him and shit. Yeah. And really... Hired Scorpion. Oh, no, dude. He created the Spider Slayers, dude. Yeah. Like, he created them. He, he paid to make yeah. Scorpion be created. Yeah, you're right. Um, that's, Jonah's, why, that's why I think he's the sixth member in Away. Well, in a way, yeah, uh, but he, uh, but he, he, in a couple of times in the in the comics, has gotten the city so riled up and anti Spider Man rhetoric in the game that it right. turns into people throwing shit at him on the street and like trying to punch him and like accost him or like get him to do something where they can get it on video. Doesn't that sound like the first twenty minutes of this movie? Yeah. So he's the reason it all gets stirred up against Peter because of the way he reports it and everything. Yeah. And he continues to like be the asshole reporter from Die Hard when in fact like he just keeps digging on it and keeps digging on it and you're like, Stop as an audience member. But he uh he was great as JK Simmons is born to play that role, dude. He's so yeah. good in it. So I brought this up on the Discord, but I was arguing that uh Venom might be the sixth member, but he just got drunk in Mexico and didn't show up for the team up. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, exactly. So I thought that was kind of appropriate. Well, yeah, that part is a little interesting too, because like if if they're not enemies, why is he there? Like where did, so that's what I'm curious about. Enemies is everyone who knows him. Okay. And the symbiote when in, at the end of Venom, did you see Venom too? I did. Well, I saw the, I saw the incredible, I haven't seen the movie, but I saw the incredible. When when they blip into the MCU, the symbiote licks the television and goes, that guy. Mm -hmm. So the symbiote, knows Spider-Man. Now, someone theorizes There's in the theory. comics they have a hive mind that yeah. even okay. does breach okay. the multiverse reality. Yeah. That's what so I was kind of, yeah. He recognized him as Spider-Man because Toby interacted with because the Because Spider-Man, Spider-Man 3, 3, which is kind of clever. I love that. All right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what, so that's what, okay, so that's a way to explain it and that's all I need. I just yeah. was curious how they were going to so bridge Tom that. So Tom Hardy had no idea. I mean, no, uh, Eddie he was Brock. Like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, yeah. It's it's Venom and it's the Venom symbiote. That, oh, that whole thing was done so that the MCU could get their own Venom, so they could show Sony how to do it. Basically, that's all. I that, oh, oh, of course. I mean, it's that be yeah. A slow burn, but oh my I wouldn't God. be surprised if they cast someone else as Morbius just to be like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay, so now that the other Spider-Man movies are kind of canon, I know they're not part of the MCU. Would you consider putting them in a watch list? Like, like it, these are essential movies at this point, right? 
especially at least for me, Spider-Man one and two, the Raimi films, I think you have to watch those to really get the full effect of this movie. So where would you put those in the watch order of the MCU, I guess is what I'm asking. So I, I don't think that you would have, you'd plug them in in a specific chronological order in terms yeah. of where they occur. I think that you watch them in the Fruits. release. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're going to do it, you got to watch them all. You got to go back and watch all the crappy <laughs> X-Men, you know, original yeah. movies and all that stuff that we all had to go through so that you can appreciate. <laughs> really appreciate what no. we have. Well, because really think about it. Suffer, go watch the Hulk TV movies and then the Salons <laughs> of Captain America in the 70s. and the Dolph Lundgren Punisher and then come at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, but but in all honesty, you want to see that because of the way that the effects work throughout yeah. time and things like that. Like, it's going to be weird to try and to squish those movies into what's happening now. Fair enough. But you do want to eventually watch them yeah, just so you understand how they occur and what they mean to the universe i agree or multiverse yeah totally because it is kind of the marvel cinematic multiverse at this point which yeah. is really interesting i never thought we'd get that it's cool i would i would argue that you could maybe do the raimi films right around phase one and then the garfield movies right around phase two so it kind of it's buffered by those you know and then lead into phase three with tom holland but that's just kind of me that works if it's a rewatch, but if you're trying to introduce somebody to them, that's going to be confusing as shit. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I think the only way it works is if you're doing an introduction is Jimmy's suggestion. Okay. Yeah. Where you tell the person, like, all right, these first few movies are all Spider-Man, and I'm showing you these because they're going to pay off much, much later. Much, like much later. 30 movies from now. <laughs> yeah, so buckle up, Buttercup. We got about two months of movies before we get there. That's if you're watching. I'm going to wait till they hit movie 50, and then I'm going to be like, all right, babe, we're doing a rewatch. <laughs> <laughs> And my wife is so cool. She'll be like, Next fuck yeah. Out. We've seen everything like eight times. So she, she's been begging to go see this. We saw this. We saw this Thursday night, Friday afternoon. She was like, can we go see it again this weekend? We're taking. We're going to go see this movie like five times. Yeah. So Rune with, was with his dad this weekend and we just couldn't wait. So we saw it. So we're going to see it again with Rune and like we don't care because we loved it. Yeah. He's going to, he's a huge Spider Man fan. I don't know if you know this. No, yeah. Yeah. yeah we've talked about it. Yeah. I, I've talked um, to him about it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's all he talks about sometimes. So I got just a couple more questions for y'all. Overall, what was your favorite moment in this movie? Before we get into the multiverse stuff, before we start speculating about Doctor Strange, let's, what's your favorite moment from No Way Home? All right, so there's literally like a thousand moments you could pick, and I'd be like, "That's totally cool." You can pick like when the three. when the two spy. All right, so if I got top three, <laughs> number one for me is once Tom is like accepted these other two Peters and they're going to go, they, they've called the villains to the Statue of Liberty using social media and stuff and yeah. J. Jonah Jameson and everything so that he can, they can confront them and, and get them, you know, cured so they can send them home. There's a bit where Toby's like stretching his back out and they don't have their masks on. They're all just sitting around and he's like, he's like, oh, I got this back thing and it ties back to Spider-Man 2 when he's, his webbing cut out and he fell yeah. and uh, Andrew cracks his back and they start they're like so you shoot your webs out of your wrists huh that's weird yeah. and they have like small talk yeah. where they talk about like what's the weirdest thing you've ever fought and toby's like i fought an alien made out of like black goo yeah. it was weird and tom's like oh i fought an alien here and in space yeah. and andrew's like oh i'm lame i never fought an alien i want to fight an alien i fought a dude in a rhino costume like a robotic right. rhino costume yeah, exactly. and toby's like you first of all you are not lame i want you to know you are amazing and he's like oh, i needed to hear that thing it's <laughs> yeah. so great and then it ends with Tom like kind of going, all right, here's what we're going to do. And then they all put their masks on. And then as a team of three, run and jump off the balcony and have this awesome web swinging sequence where they land and frame together, which is what we talked about, the edited shot from the trailer. Oh, yeah. That's definitely my favorite moment. Sure. The other one would probably be Daredevil. Daredevil is pretty fucking And then the third one, 
It's so hard. I, I, I just off the top of my head, the third one is the scene where Toby and Andrew first show up and meet each other cool. before Tom becomes involved. I literally you've got 40 other choices, but those are probably right now. My three favorites before I rewatch it. Those are the three that stand out. Yeah. I got to go with that moment. I got to agree with you that that all oh, there's so many great slow moments in this movie that were like pure fan service, but they paid off so freaking well. The, the, where Ned's trying to call Peter and they're like, yeah, and they're, they're all like, no, pointing Peter to Parker. Well, it's all Peter Parker. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man. Like, yeah, and they're all doing the pointing. Thing. It's yeah, like the yeah, meme. It's yeah. like the meme. The thing. It's awesome. Yeah, no, there was there's a lot of good moments. I love the organic webbing conversation and how and how awkward it was. It's like I I don't want to. I, this is kind of a personal <laughs> question. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, no, one of the one of the best like uh, kind of comedic moments to me, the little s- small ones too, is when somebody got squirted with the webbing. It's like, oh, gross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was Andrew. Yeah, it was Andrew. It was during Andrew. the fight. Like, oh, it's it's like his leg. He goes, oh no. Yeah, oh, it was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, so for me, I think, if, obviously I agree with Chris, but I think the, one of the more powerful moments was when he was just beating the ever-loving shit out yeah. of Goblin, and Goblin deserved it, oh, and we were totally all, it. you know, like, you, you know, we're all, we're all Tom at that moment, we you are. know, we're all sitting there like, Jesus, I can't Jesus. believe I didn't mention yeah. this, is definitely one of my three favorites, this is not going to and so for me, it's 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 an obvious Spider-Man moment. You mm-hmm. know it's coming, but they they handled it really well. Yeah, and yeah. and it was it was one of those things where you know you could see it either way, but you knew the right way was ultimately what Toby did, which is stop him and protect him, and that's what they were all there to do. Was again, it's the redemption. So it's what we yeah. do. They say that like three times. Though. Yeah, it's what we do. Yeah, and then of course that scene it has Toby getting stabbed. Oh. Like there, like we thought we were gonna I lose that right in the childhood. I... Yeah. <laughs> Weird. All right, all right. So when Toby got stabbed, my sense. whole audience yeah. gasped and shrieked, and and somebody, it might have been me, it might also have been me, went no, and it was it was me. <laughs> um, it reminded me of the scene in Infinity War. <laughs> When Thanos stabs yeah. Tony Stark. Yeah. And I gasped, gasped so thing, hard. Yeah. I think I lost like two years of my life. Uh, like the whole audience. It, it was like uh, that old Simpsons bit where they all gasped and their hats fly up to the ceiling at the same time. Like that's what it felt like. Yeah. And when Toby got stabbed, the whole one dude in the back goes, you rotten motherfucker. And, <laughs> uh, but no, that was that was. And it's so great because it's like it ends up not being a big deal. And when Andrew comes over, he's like, "Oh my god, are you okay?" And Toby goes, "Yeah, I'm I'm fine. I've been stabbed before." <laughs> yeah, that was a great reaction. Yeah, Toby was so good. He was so. They were all so good. They were bringing their aim ga- a game to this, yeah. and they they felt like the characters from those movies. It was it was something else, man. Oh. I've never seen anything like it. Like I, I, it's hard to even put into words. <laughs> That's why I said in our, our chat, our group chat, that, like when I was walking out of the theater. This might be my new favorite movie of all time. Wow, yeah. Of all time. My favorite movie of all time is not even comic book related. Yeah. Um, it's my other passion, which is zombies. Yeah. <laughs> the Shaun of the Dead has been my favorite movie of all time. Like, I, it's not, I'm not saying it's, it's the best movie of all time. Yeah. It's my favorite. Yeah, that's, that's um, the difference. Yeah. I think Spider-Man No Way Home is the most fun I have ever had in a movie theater. Yeah. I don't think I've ever had such a visceral reaction to a movie in so many different places. There's been individual moments in films that have affected me on like an equal footing, but nothing where like every three minutes I'm like either just basking in the glow of nostalgia 
or going, that's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And it's just nonstop, man. Great character moments from beginning to end, top to bottom. It's just a great movie. I have a rotating top five that's always going to float around, but I think my recent has been Endgame, Infinity War, Ragnarok, <laughs> Doctor Marvel Strange, things, yeah. and now this movie. And I think this movie happens to tap on all of those, like some of the strengths of all of them. Yes. The, the comedy, the silliness, you know, Agreed. but the depth. I mean, it's not as dark, and so I can't make it the, num- the number one for me personally just sure. because watch it you know when i left endgame or infinity war i was a di- you know i felt like a different person after that like it, it changed me yeah like i was like i'll never be happy again i know yeah like a part of my childhood died you know because like, yeah i read well i read i read you know the infinity gauntlet storyline when i was a kid and that was a huge one for me so to watch them play that out not to get too far off but but it's but this is definitely the for me the best Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Tom Holland to me is the best Peter Parker. Although those other guys killed it. I mean, yeah. they're all Peter Parker. All so I shouldn't I shouldn't say who's best. They're, they're all Peter all Parker now. Yeah. So I, I think they're all different eras. Favorites. I think everyone's yeah. favorites. I and I, it's make having not been a huge Spider-Man fan growing up. Yeah. I just didn't. It just wasn't. For, I was more of like a team uh, X-Men. That was what did it for me. Like, so so yeah. this has made me a much bigger Spider-Man fan, and I appreciate that. So. Yeah, understandable. Um, now, one maybe not maybe not the last question, but uh, do you guys think we'll ever see Toby or Andrew again, or do you think this is it? Unfortunately, I think this is it. I would be so like I mentioned on our last episode. My fondest wish for this movie would be that it would blow up bigger than they could possibly imagine, and it has spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the biggest movie of all time. Uh, it's got the biggest opening weekend by like a massive margin, yeah. as far as I know. I may be wrong on that, but it's it's got to, regardless of where it is in the pecking order, it's yeah. going to make a shit ton of money. Yeah. Um, and I think that as much as I'd love to see them do Spider Man Four and Amazing Spider Man Three or bring these guys back for some other multiversal thing, I don't. I don't, think, I don't think. I think we got our closure. I think we're good. I think. I, I I just formulated this opinion, but I'm put out there now sure, for sure. longevity purposes. <laughs> I think that we will see them again when they introduce Miles. I don't oh, know which movie yeah. that'll be, but I think they'll drop in just yeah. for that one last hit that we weren't expecting. So. I'd be thrilled. Yeah, I yeah. would be so happy. All right, so Sorry. so <laughs> as far as like just pure emotional on the spot reaction, there's a thousand things that got me in this movie, but the two high points of the whole movie for me were probably the moment that those two guys can't when Andrew comes in he's Spider-Man and you recognize his voice in his costumes you're like oh my god they're actually doing this but when he takes his mask off the audience went fucking nuts and like we all my wife like dug her fingers in my arm like it's him when I saw the eyes I was like oh shit that's not Tom Holland it's not Tom Holland I literally said that and and, uh, (laughs) like it was just it was such like an emotional high point it was so like just joy that I didn't really expect to hit that hard. Yeah. And then when the second window opens, and you know what's going to happen at that point. You know it's it's like, I'm like, it has to be Toby. And it's Peter out of costume, like in the shadows. And you're like, is it is it going to be Toby like retired or something? And he steps through and you're like, it's fucking Toby. And he like lands some really great physical comedy like right off the bat where he's like oh i came through that and he turns around and he's like oh it's closed like yeah. it's so perfect toby Maguire spider-man like he just immediately stepped right back into that role and as much as i adore everything they've done yeah. 
with Andrew and I love Tom Holland and I love what they're doing with Spider-Man. It does make me go like, man, it really bums me out. We didn't get like three more rainy Toby Spider-Man movies like before it was all said and done. Like we wouldn't have got the Andrew one. So in the end of the game, and, and at the end of the day, it's probably good that we didn't. It worked out. It worked out. Yes. Because we got here. We got out. to yeah. here and that's the important thing. Totally. Totally. Okay. So real quick, I think there's a chance we'll see one or both of them in the next Doctor Strange movie. Also, the Sony universe is definitely a separate entity at this point, right? I think that Andrew Garfield might be the Spider-Man in that universe. Okay. um, That's why I'm very confused by the Morbius trailer. Yeah. Because he refers to Venom. Yeah. There's Spider-Man murderer posters everywhere. Right. What the hell? It's the Toby Spider-Man and the vultures in it. Yeah, it doesn't make any you. sense. Like, what, I hope they explain what's happening. Yeah, okay. What do you think's going on there? So then maybe what we're going to see is two concurrent Spider-Man storylines with different Venoms with Tom Holland. That's what I think. Now going back to that universe looking for Spider-Man because he's thinking, okay, I need to find this guy. Yeah. Yeah. And then the Venom suit going to find Tom Holland Spider-Man because it got left behind there. And now you get, you know, Sony can do their thing and then we'll see what happens. Yeah, That's that could so, be cool. It's though. so funny you mentioned that because we talked about that a few um, episodes ago, right? Back on episode 10, I think. Yeah, with the ranking. Yeah. Right, because we were talking about how... That was before the Carnage movie came out. I yes. Think. Yeah. When the first Venom came out, there was a lot of rumors that Spider-Man was going to show up. And at first, it was rumors that Tom Holland was going to show up. But then it became rumors that, no, it's going to be Andrew Garfield. And they're going to have him be a, the Spider-Man in the Sony-verse. Yeah. Where we might not get Spider-Man movies, per se... But he'll be in, like, the Silver Sable movie, the Black Cat movie, the Venom movie, the Morbius movie, the Craven movie. Because like, they're doing all those, like, villains, but it'd be weird to not have a Spider-Man in that universe, right? So I don't know what the fuck they're thinking with a Craven the Hunter movie unless yeah. Andrew Garfield is in it. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. I'll if, watch the shit out of that. I tell you that right now. You know, that would Craven's be awesome. the main character. I'll watch that. That's I the thing. Her. Like, you could do that. You yeah. could have Andrew Garfield almost as a cameo like spider-man's in the movie but he's not the focus i think that's smart you 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 give him the same screen time you might give like a second tier villain yeah who keeps popping up yeah even though he'd be the main quote-unquote villain sure um yeah but i i think that would be great the only problem is like i just i don't know i just don't i don't know if i see it i'd love it i'd love it i just don't know if they're if sony's that good i think sony's stupid and they're gonna fuck it up any way they can all right. All right. So, and before we go, we got to talk about the trailer at the end. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Initial thoughts? I love that the trailer ended with Doctor Strange will return, which has been something they've been putting at their end credits since the first Iron Man. And I just dig it. It makes me happy. Suspicious we didn't see Spider-Man. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I thought the trailer was great. Uh, we got to see a flash of a couple characters. Uh, America Chavez, Shuma Gorath. Shuma Gorath. Like, what the fuck? That's awesome. Um <laughs> You sound disappointed. Okay, so real quick, I'm excited. I was already excited for this movie. Still am. I'm hyped as hell. But I almost feel like I didn't even need a trailer, man. I needed like one little scene. And I feel like they I'm maybe give away. Right <laughs> I, just real quick. I just feel like they gave away a little too much. Maybe they didn't. Maybe there's all kinds of crazy crap in this movie. But like with this, with Spider-Man No Way Home, I feel like they could have shown less and it would have been more effective. You know, if we didn't know Doc Ock was in this movie, we didn't know Green Goblin was. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I know you both, both, you're both they're both reaching for it. <laughs> I, I will not give up this mic. <laughs> Sorry, All right. That was dumb. You have to think about the, what happened in this movie. We just went through a lot of shit. Yeah. We're at the end of the movie. Yeah. We're waiting for these end trailers mm-hmm. or end credit scenes. 
We're still crying. You're over here. You're over here. You're over here. Complain. We got a beautiful, a great trailer at the end. It was amazing. Told us just enough to tease us all the fuck up. Which we, which is what we need. We're about to run out of Hawkeye. We don't have a lot of stuff on the horizon right this moment. So, right. that's a good point. So, so shut up. <laughs> With all due respect. Fair enough. Um, no, seriously, I, I, I love that trailer because. I was. I thought I was out of hype at the end of the movie, and then I, they were like, "Nope, I'm not. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh my god, not anymore." Fourteenth wind. And yeah. I, you know, I guess they had to do that because it comes out in what May. March. So we have. I think it's May. Uh, oh, I need to I double check, March. but it's going to be a few months at least. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think it was originally March, but it got pushed back. Yeah, I think. It was. Damn, that yeah. bums me out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's I talk about it. Yeah, it. totally. So, obviously, there's parts from the comic. And if I understand it correctly, yeah. the relationship to America Chavez is that Shuma Gorath is chasing her through the multiverse to try and absorb her. Because, because she can jump through multiversal doors that basically, like, she can yeah. teleport between dimensions and, and, and realities. But then we also have this interesting arc of Wanda, who has lost her children, who I still can't tell if she believes existed or not. Oh, she knows, she knows what they were. She, I think she thinks that one day they'll be reunited. She... I don't think Wanda's she given up reading hope the on book. things being fixed. She was at the end of WandaVision. She's reading The Darkhold mm-hmm. and learning about who she is and what she can do. Yeah. I'm wondering if maybe she's going to use this as an opportunity to try to set some things right that she feels are wrong. It's like the vision. And well, you have this interesting, intro, like, whatever this spell is that what if Doctor Strange used to start slamming himself together and absorbing his powers. Mm-hmm. That's not a one. That's not. That's a spell. That's not a Doctor Strange thing. Right. So. Maybe she does that. So who knows where this goes? Yeah, that's and that's what I love about these kind of trailers, Eric. (laughs) These trailers allow us to talk a lot about. No, I mean seriously, though. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's stuff to speculate on for the next few months. That's a good point. Yeah, no. That's why the trailers are just as big a part of the MCU as the post-credit scenes. And they always have been because Marvel plays uses their trailers better than anybody else does. Fair enough. Um, And this, I guarantee you, I would bet any amount of money that when you're done watching Doctor Strange 2, if you go back and watch the trailer, you're going to go, man, they didn't show me shit. They really don't show much. What did they show you? That there's an evil Doctor Strange? Is that pretty big? Is that surprising, though? It's cool. Is it surprising? We've already seen an evil Doctor Strange. You see Mordo. We knew that was going to happen. That's I'm excited about. We see Wanda. We've known that was coming for months. I honestly didn't know whether Mor- Mordo was going to be in this one. Or oh, they set him up as the villain for it. He's of course going to be in it. No, I'm yeah, glad he is. They he mentioned hasn't, he hasn't been in a movie since Doctor Strange. Yeah, that was a while they've ago. They've been busy. Yeah, <laughs> but there's um, we, we saw we saw Gorath for half a second. The only people who know who Shumagorath are are Marvel vs. Capcom fans yes. and hardcore Doctor Strange nerds like me. And and a couple of people who looked him up. <laughs> yeah, but but so so so, it's showing him for half a second yeah. is the equivalent of showing Wolverine fighting Lady Deathstrike for half a second in the X two trailer. It's like yeah. okay, it's like it doesn't happens. mean anything. Yeah. Now if you're us, it goes ooh that's Shumagorath. But the majority of people watching that trailer, are like, what the fuck was was he fighting like a giant plankton? Like, what was that? Yeah. Um, it's like a Cthulhu monster, right? So the only part of that trailer I feel like that was anything where like, man, they gave something away was seeing that at least at one moment of the movie yeah. that there is a twisted version of Doctor Strange mm-hmm. that 
if the cuts made in the trailer are the same cuts in the actual film is interacting with our Doctor Strange. We don't even know if that dude interacts with the hero. For all we know, that Strange can be dead in 45 seconds of screen time. Yeah, yeah. We don't know anything about this movie. We know very basic pieces, and they've gone out of their way to make sure we don't know dick about the plot. And and the fact that like they've got so many people in it and the, like nothing is leaking is like everything that we saw is stuff that Feige told us we were going to see. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, it, you you know, Jimmy made an excellent point. There's a there's a bit of a wait here, so like we have material to speculate about and keep us hyped until that comes out because it is it's going to be a little bit of a dry spell after all the you know content on Disney Plus and stuff like. All these new shows and stuff. Like, it's been one thing after another, Um, so... Ms. Marvel's coming out soon. Oh, that's true. That'll be in, like, January or February, I think. Or February, I believe. think. Yeah. Live action or animated? Live action. That one's live action, yeah. That leads into the Captain Marvel sequel, The Marvels. And uh, and that movie's going to star Carol Danvers, Monica from WandaVision. Yeah, Monica Rambeau. And Kamala, Ms. Marvel. That's kind of awesome, yeah. Um, So, I have more questions than answers after watching this. There's been a lot of a lot like I mentioned there's a lot of content recently. We've had Hawkeye, What If, Loki, and there's been a lot of multiverse stuff all at once. I'm a little confused on some of the details here. When like at the end of Loki, it seems like the multiverse branched out, right? And then in WandaVision, something else weird happened with reality. And then in this one, reality got broken again by Doctor Strange. So did like all of this happen at once? Was it like these three events happening concurrently and maybe that's what broke the multiverse. I was, think- I was thinking that, or, that Wanda's birth as the Scarlet Witch started those tremors they're talking about in Loki. Yeah, okay. And that, that Sophie's decision at the end of Loki to kill Immortus or he who remains or whatever. Yeah. Uh, was the trigger, because he was keeping everything together at the end yeah. of time, was the trigger that started the cascade of the multiple realities opening up that we saw yeah. in the TVA. Which was nuts. I think the Kang. events of this, yeah. the reason everything started tearing so quickly was because yeah. the multiverse is bleeding everywhere. Oh, okay, okay. What do you think? Well, if we buy into the narrative from the Time Variance Authority that there was the single timeline and every variant was snipped and they had and that was somehow manageable, if that's yeah. legit, then what that actually means is that when these, when the multiverse went crazy, they, or when everything went back to multiverse and everything was running wild, yeah. on its own, unedited or anything else. No, you're good. So you think Loki happened first? Yeah, I think Loki's Loki's timeline takes precedent. Sure. If you just buy it on the that surface level, that does make that a lot sense. of sense to me too. Because yeah. and then I think everything. So if you have a, as a crack throughout the time, throughout space time, yeah. then it, there's going to be a ton of events that all sit on that fissure. Like yeah. so, so it's going to be not just this stuff. I think so, you're going to have a bunch of things pop up where it's going to totally. seem like that event was responsible for it. But yeah, if sense. you trace it through, it's all from yeah. the Loki unraveling. I think you're right. I think that seems to be the biggest events out of uh, the biggest event out of all of well, those. It's further along too. So 31st century, I guess, is where that happened. Yeah, that's like in the far future, right? Yeah. So I don't know, man. It's kind of crazy to think about because, like, what is time at this point? <laughs> like, with all the time travel stuff. Uh, but um, I think so. I do think you're right. I think Loki happens first. Wait, Chris has something pulled up. No, no, no. Oh, oh, okay. I'm sorry. So I think Loki happens first. And I think Doctor Strange's spell might not have blown up the way it did if there wasn't already that that like weakness in reality, I guess, that 
maybe was caused by both Wanda and the Loki thing. And maybe it was like a yeah, you know like compounded compound, issue. Yeah, exactly. And maybe that's what the next Doctor Strange movie is really going to delve into because... I don't want to get too meta with it, but I think, sure. it's, I think it's in the way you're looking at MCU's version of time, or now MCM's version of yeah, time, yeah, because yeah. before it was flat, yeah. because there was a single timeline, right, so it was yeah. always these, just these events that happened. Sure, sure. Now you have every altered, alternate yeah. option that's out there. That's right. So, so, so the way that they've explained it, now it doesn't have to correspond with our real physics. <laughs> it doesn't physics. have to, but yeah. it, can. it can. I think until they show it interacting with MCU, it doesn't count. Okay, fair enough. But once you see that, you can go, okay, well now it's part of the part and parcel yes cool. and i think that that's how it, how it should work because they need to be able to manage this shit and they've yeah. said they've come up with a cosmology for it oh, and cool. a lot i mean well you they have yeah, obviously they have, they have to, to have. Yeah. i mean marvel you, yeah. you know if you if you look back at the history <laughs> he knows of, what he's doing i trust him i just was a little confused on a few details <laughs> but if, if you read through some of the, the 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 deeper tracks on how comics were written back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and how, you know, people like yeah. Jim Starling and guys like that introduced some of the, de- you know, tried to fr- frame this stuff together and rein it in and give yeah. it like a, 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 a you know, a higher level, you know. Yeah, like a, like a story arc. Like and and more often line. than not, it just failed because they're just humans and they don't have the answers. Yeah. And so you can't make a fake answer a about how a fake universe, it, it's yeah. always going to fall flat. And so it mm-hmm. keeps getting over layered and layered and sure. again. And I think this time... In this day and age, you know, with the way that we understand things, it might be a little easier for Feige's yeah. universe to, to play in that space. But it's a point. tough place. It's tough. And so I'm really excited to see how they handle it. I think they're going to overdo it. I think once the so far stuff it's is done, it'll be closed off. This is betting the farm because this entire franchise has done wonders with all these storylines. And I, I trust the them on it. But yeah. this is where it gets the murkiest because yeah. it, it, Marvel, Marvel got tied up in a lot of bad story trying to fix yeah, this stuff. So. Definitely. I don't want to see any of the Fox X-Men be re- Really? No, dude, the Fox I, X-Men movies are trash. Did we fight about this last time? I can't yes, remember. You said you okay. kept saying you wanted Michael Fassbender. I, I think it would be awesome to have... No. About just speculating on how mutants get folded in. I want to be there. Because, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. February. I think we'll <laughs> see them get born. I think they may even say the snap caused it, or like the that second would, snap. I think it'll be something like maybe maybe the Xavier was hiding them because of that you can do house. that. You, you can, can do that. Did that happen in the Ultimate? So real quick, just to confirm, the Marvel movies coming out next year: is Thor, Love and Thunder, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Yeah. Um, the TV shows they have not any release dates released, but Miss Marvel, Moon Knight, and She Hulk are all confirmed. Uh, secrets, yeah, and then this the second season of uh, What If is confirmed hey, Echo, for twenty twenty two. Echoes being made, but that's not for twenty. Those aren't twenty twenty two though. Oh, they're pushing. The, yeah, the, well, there's the, none of those were oh. confirmed for twenty twenty two ever. They were just labeled as like these are coming out in the next three to four years when they announced them originally. They so I think Secret Invasion is supposed to come out at like the end of twenty twenty two. But yeah, Miss Marvel, Moon Knight, She Hulk, and What If season two. We'll see. Uh, possibly Loki season two. We were, we're definitely getting a Loki season two. It just might not be this this coming year. Oh, that's exciting, man. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, final thoughts on all this stuff? Well, having just recently got back in to, into Spider-Man and comics in general, I was excited. It was exciting to get rolled up in the hype leading up to the movie because it did not let down. Oh, yeah. You know, I can't tell you how many times with anything, TV, movies, <laughs> video games, you know, you just Star get all Wars. whipped up into a frenzy. Yeah. And then this, uh, this did more. I mean, I watched... I don't know how many video, you know, trailers and things that's, that I thought spoiled the entire movie. 
Yeah. And then to go there and see that it was like, you know, the first 20 minutes, most of that stuff's resolved. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I mean, it was masterful, and that's what I love about MCU right now. It's not just that they're taking these heroes from your childhood and making them legitimate and giving them real story, but it's yeah. also that they're doing it in a way that's not insulting as an audience member. And that that's what sense, most yeah. comic movies used to be. You just went in, like, expecting uh, to get 90s. treated especially like a child. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, yeah. And, I mean, you can even see it in some of the better X-Men movies still. Like, you go back and watch First Class and stuff where there's just, like, these, du- you know, things that are, like, unresolved. It doesn't make any sense at all. Like, they don't, yeah. they don't even Every try to explain it to you. He's Fox very passionate project, about it. Yeah. Except for Deadpool. It's, well, I have, Deadpool a, I, have a, I have a theory. Yeah, besides even Deadpool. Logan. Even Logan has some of it. Yeah, like, they want you to feel bad about what you like. It's all, That's what I feel like. That's the underlying message. Like, you should feel bad for liking this, so we're going to make it cheesy. Like it's I like every right. everything in sci-fi, that, or and then there's also, I mean, I don't want to go off too far on a tangent, sure. but there's that like dork mentality that direct, you know, that the creators have too of like, oh, well, we should feel bad that we like this, so let's make it corny, yeah. you know, like it yeah. it doesn't have to be, and I think that we're grow- yeah. we're in an age now where you can make it authentic, you can make it cheesy, but there's a difference between cheesy and corny. Maybe that's well, the wrong term. Here's what the transition yeah. is for me because I, you know, not again, not to get too far off the track here, but. Sure. I also recently had been reading a lot about Hinduism and the depth of story that's involved with um, like their cosmology. And it's so much like the, you know, a, a comic universe and the way it's set up, whether it's DC or Marvel, but yeah. you know, and how, how you have try to have answers for everything, all these different things that are existing and, and, and interacting with one another and how they happen in your life and what that means to you and all that. So, so to see them get to a place where those things are all merging together, um, I think is like, it, it, it's meaningful for just to watch my kid grow up and see a movie that is not dumb and corny. Yeah. And it has like real life stuff happening that you might walk away from and be like, hmm. Well said. I mean, you're right. There's so much more pathos in these current movies than there was like in, say, the Batman movies from the 90s. Like they were fun, but there wasn't much to them. Like there wasn't a lot of depth there. And Popcorn movies. Exactly. And to see them taking this stuff seriously is just, it's been something else, man. Comics are really our modern mythology. And it's cool to see them actually take that seriously for once, you know, because these, these archetypes actually do kind of matter, you know, like, if you really look at it from like, like, it's a way of like, reassessing our culture's like own morals, you know, and like, like the really deep questions and things like that. So I think it's a really cool approach, you know. And they, they, they wrap it up in like a fun blockbuster movie. The brilliance of the MCU is they took the Marvel comics and put them on screen. <laughs> well said. I mean, I mean, right. it's Stan not Lee, fucking rocket science. It's he, what they did. They Lee, went like all those guys. They were being pretty radical for their time. And they put messages in those stories and made them relatable. Well, I'm not even talking about that. I'm saying they went and they read Iron Man comics and they go, <laughs> here's who this dude is. Yeah. Let's get one of his villains. Let's create a reason for them to have a conflict. Let's write it the way a real actual movie is written (laughs) with a three story act structure (laughs) and good dialogue. Let's hire competent filmmakers to make them. Brian Singer, Brad Radner. And let's hire good actors to be in them and not shitty pieces of shit. And then like two good actors at the top of it. Seriously. And let's not fuck around like Fox did for 20 years. And guess what? It works. As opposed to having their whole company closed down because they sucked for two decades. Um, They earned every bit of them being closed down because they had so many great franchises. Not just X-Men. Predator, Aliens, all that shit. And guess what? They all got ruined because Fox was garbage. And their X-Men movies were no exception. They made how many? 48 of them? 
and the two of them are good. It's so weird too, because like uh, this is a whole nother conversation for another day. But this the episode nine for our review on the X Men movie. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, uh, I guess we should probably wrap up. Uh, did you have final thoughts, Chris? Just to reiterate what we've already said numerous times, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home is fucking, it's fantastic. And regardless of where it's, it's in your rankings of Spider-Man films or your ranking of MCU films or films in general, I, I don't, I have not seen a single person that has seen this and not been like, at the very least, like it was one of the most fun times I've ever had in a movie theater. It's fantastically good. Um if you listen to any of this and you haven't seen it, like, Hey, what the fuck? Uh, <laughs> B like, go see it when it comes out on Blu-ray and, and screen streaming and all that crap. Like I'm getting it immediately. Like yeah. I'll watch it twice the day it comes out on Blu-ray. Like I can't I watch it right now. I'll, if I could watch it right now, I would put this recorder down and go watch it right now. Yeah. It's that good. It's my favorite MCU movie. It's my favorite Spider-Man movie. And I, right now, because I'm only just a couple days off seeing it right now. And I may look back at this recording in a year and be like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> but right now, it might be my all-time favorite movie. I loved it that much. All right. Well, I want to thank Jimmy for joining us. Great having you on. Eric, as always, thanks for being on. Thanks, guys. All right. uh, fun. We got to have you back sometime. Yeah, definitely got to have you back. It's been a lot of fun. As always, you can check us out at comiczombie.net. You can find Eric over at epicfails.com. Uh, you can find us on Podcasters Assemble and Podcasters Disassemble over at probablywork.com. You can find us... You can find us on social media under Comic Zombie at Twitter. It's Comic Zombie 2. And uh, you can find Eric on Too Young for This Trek, which is actually, I saw it doing like incredibly well. So congratulations to you. Thank you. Yeah. It, what was it? Like top 10 or something? Yeah, it's in the top. It was like number eight. I couldn't believe that. What the hell? What, how, what did we do? People are actually listening to this podcast? Yeah, a lot of people are listening. So, so congratulations to Eric on that. Too Young for This Trek, where he and a couple guys watch uh, Star Trek media in random order with a person who has never seen He's any never of seen it and uh, get their reaction to uh, again out of order so like a random episode of next generation then a random episode of voyager i, I don't know if you guys are including all of them then and he's still confused uh, <laughs> like, I, I haven't seen a lot of star trek we've but, seen one ds9 episode he doesn't know any of the ds9 characters yeah, I, I don't think i've seen a single episode of ds9 <laughs> but sorry okay i just want to point out we have a list but we didn't include what series each episode's in so he's picking them by title at random and so it's bonkers man we've watched some of the movies and like (laughs) out of order too we started with wrath of khan and it's been fun though it's it's crazy it's bonkers yeah yeah we haven't gotten there yet i'm not looking forward to it (laughs) all right well thanks for listening everybody as always uh you can catch us here next time same copyright infringement time same copyright infringement channel This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at Probably Work for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com. Yeah, I got to go with that moment. Hang on. I'm checking battery. I saw the red light. Okay, we're good. Yep. I think it's been dead for an hour. Yeah, I was just making sure that we're not wasting our time. No, it's still recording. Okay. Yeah, we're professionals. <laughs> so today we're joined uh, by Jimmy Lester, uh, good friend and uh, uh, fuck. I, I had something. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Let me start over. I am not a fuck. No, you're good. You're good. I'm so- <laughs> we cuddled. <laughs> Spider-Man Two. He leans way more into being Spider-Man, or maybe it's the other way around. No, he quits being Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I got that way wrong. Rewinding. He was more malicious. You know, at least that Jane and Joe, sorry, 
It's hard to say. It's a tongue twister. That J. Jonah Jameson. With that said, um, I had a really good point. No, yeah, take your time. You're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Well, here, just, just, I'll, I'll sure? let you know if I get back to it. Okay, yeah, yeah, if you, yeah, we can just interrupt us if you... It's all good. <laughs> okay, I was going to transition real quick. Oh, yeah, so where does, where do you think Peter's going from here? Oh, okay. oh sorry, yeah, there, yeah, yeah. there we go. So, so where I was going to go with that is it, but so, so with that said... Because this Toby hadn't lost enough, or this Toby, this Peter, this yeah. Tom's Peter hadn't lost enough yet, um... Well, it's not just Captain America because he's all, he's also a genius too. Yeah. So it's like Tony Hark, Tony Stark <laughs> exactly. gets the superhero serum. Obviously, I'll edit it down a bit, oh, yeah, but yeah, like this is good material to work with. Quite-